morning. So we are summing up the very last chuba that we didn't get the last week from the Tashbates, Chuba Kuk Memchas. His last chuba on this topic is his summation of all the previous chubas in relation to this topic. And the Tashbate says that I'm going to provide you a summary of all the things I've already said until now. And he says that you should know that um, on the various different levels that we have, some of the Thomas Chacham, he says, he adds in a detail that he hasn't mentioned before in terms of um, making it super clear about what we're talking about. He says, Somebody who knows all Shas, he's fluent in all of Shas. So such a person, he should be given the top job and be supported like that. Let's say he only knows certain Masechtas, he only has a limited amount of knowledge. So such a person, you also are maybe not going to import him the God Ladar, not going to make the bigger Shiva of everything, but you make him a big important person in your community. So you have to support him. And then it says, But he's just really focused on his learning. He doesn't have shots. He doesn't have, you know, all these masakas, um specifically fluent in, but he's focusing on learning. You see that he's really trying very hard. And Maniach Hasak, he's not focusing on his own livelihood. So even that, even so, such a person is required to be supported by his community. So remember the ideal that he had said before was that you 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 point him to a position in the community to be able to be sustained. You make him a, a rabbi, give a shear. Even if he's not any of that, he's still growing. He's not yet there at a place where he's such a high level of learning. Nevertheless, you still appoint him. I'm sorry, you still give him sustenance. You still support him. Right? So there's all these different levels, all these different gradations um, of the level of a person. Um, says the Tashbains, all these level of learners get support from the community. And now he says, what happens? What happens if he happens to be very lucky? He's a huge Talmud Chacham, and he happens to be very wealthy also. Let's say there's somebody else in town who is also a big Talmud Chacham, but he is not a wealthy person. So then, says the Tash Beitz, Like we saw in the Gemara in the end of Saitra, where Bavo took Rebisa to Minako and said he should become the Yerushav Rosh because he needs it. He had Nefishi Chayvis, he had a lot of people chasing him for money that they, he owed them. Rebavo himself was very wealthy. Rebavo said, give him the job. So somebody who is a wealthy person knows how to learn and good learner who normally be appointed a position, he should let somebody else have it who can't afford it. He shouldn't take. Just because he's right to take, since he doesn't need it, he shouldn't take it. And he goes through, like I said, various different examples in his summation of all the things that he said beforehand. And he points out that in the F Shalema, he says like this, maybe you could say, Somebody who's 
says maybe we can say that the generations these days are different. Remember, he spent all this time trying to prove that the previous generations back in the Mars, right? Back in the, remember the Rashi, the difference between Rashi and Minashura going, right? In the Gemara above Basra, and then he says that, look, we can say that even in Bavel, they took money for the yeshivas in the times of the Gemara. And then he said in the times of the Ga'ina. Right? But here at the end of it, he's saying, regardless, today's generation is a weak generation. We're not B'nai Aliyah, right? He's writing a thousand years ago. They were not B'nai Aliyah. So he's saying, so maybe in our generation, even if somebody really should be supported in terms of his ability, but he's the kind of person who is able to actually hold the job and still remain in Talmud Chacham. He says, maybe maybe these generations, even if he could manage to hold a job and support himself decently and learn, he shouldn't do it. Because these generations are not and since we're in a generation where we're not having if the great rabbis are working, then the people are just not going to respect the rabbis. They're going to think, eh, Anybody could do it. There's nothing special about Tyra. If the person who is learning Tyra is also a worker, be like me, then they're not going to have Hashiva Satyra. They're not going to have the appropriate recognizance, the appropriate respect. They're not going to pay proper obedience to Tyra. Why? Because they see that the guy who's the big uh, Kanaka in Tyra, the big Ogle, he's working just like them. So instead of taking the idea that this person is instead of taking from the idea that, oh, wow, look at this person. He's such a massive god and he's still going to work. No, they're going to take the opposite idea. They're going to think, man, not, Torah is not that special. So this is uh, the reason with Hash Base that he suggests maybe nowadays something is different. And that's really how we... Well, he's argued already that history proves the Rambam wrong. But now he's giving you a new connection that he hasn't mentioned before, which is maybe there's something different about the generations who lack of Aliyah. Maybe it's just not the right thing to do for people to see Rabbanim working. They will be nizdazal lifnem. They would they would think negative about the Torah. They will not be impressed. And he says, of course, as I've mentioned many times, forgetting the perspective of the rabbi and what he's entitled to, it's incumbent upon the people. To support the Talmud Nechacham, to support the Torah. That's how he concludes all of his chuvas on the matter. So we now have to move on. And we're moving on to discuss practically how the machlagas between the Rambam and the Tashbates, right, which reverberated for a long time. It's a massive machlagas. The Rambam says very clearly, with no hold barred, what his opinion is on the matter. And the Tashbates goes after him couple of generations later with a series of chuvas taking down every one of the riots of the Rambam. And if you recall, what did he say at the end? According to the Tashbates, he said, maybe the Rambam is correct as a midas chasidus, but as normative black letter law cannot be correct. As a midas chasidus, if somebody really doesn't want to do it, he really doesn't want to take he certainly wants to be very careful not to take from others. Maybe. But as a matter of normative law, he says it can't be correct like the Rambam. All of the rise of the Rambam, he says, are midas chasidus, if the rise at all. And 
he brings all these other rayas that he says is normative halal. That is the structure of the Tashbits. And now we go to come to the uh, the tour. This is the tour in Yerdea and Hilastamatara. The tour writes like this. The person, when he comes up to Shemayim, is going to be asked first about his learning. Not 100% clear if that's your opinion of the Chazal, but regardless, he's going to be asked about what it was Kaveitim in this world. So, so therefore, the rabbi said a person should learn Torah, even should learn the Shema, because that's what you're going to have to answer for loss of loving. It's going to come up there, Shem's going to say, no. What did you do with your time here in this world? Did you learn? Finish the Torah. So, uh, somebody really wants to be in the midst of Talmud Torah. He really does. He wants to learn. He wants to be able to, to learn appropriately. So um, what should he do? Says the Torah. Do not think that you can have Torah and wealth together. The two do not go together. It says in the end of Avis. Right? What is the way of Torah? The, what is the derech of Torah? Is you sleep on the floor, you eat bread with um, uh, water, right? You don't have meat, you don't have wine, you don't sleep on a fancy fancy mattress. You live mamish chayetzar with Torah tiyamal. That's how you learn. And don't say Maybe somebody says, "Look, I have to make a living. I have to support my family." So I'm going to first gather together wealth. I'm first going to make a living. Then I'm going to learn. And then I'm going to learn. Don't do that. You're never going to be zecha to the kesser of Torah if you say that I'm going to learn when I retire. That's not how it works. You have to make your Torah permanent and your work temporal. You have to make your work temporary. You have to make your work not permanent. Not somebody's going to have a tremendous amount of work is going to become big It's not the way it works. Rather, work a little and learn Torah. Then it continues and it says like this. So how should it work on a daily basis? You should do the amount of work every single day that you need to live. Whatever that is. Because if you don't have what to eat, you can't live. So work so that you have what to eat. And the rest of your day and night, learn. Right? So what's the ideal day of the Torah? You work what you need to live, what you need to, you know, the basics, necessities, and then the rest of the time you learn. And somebody thinks to himself that he's going to just learn Torah and he's not going to work and he's going to get tzedakah to support him, to sustain him. Such a person is bringing the Ramazlash exactly. 
So you hear the you hear the, what the Torah is saying. Somebody says, you know what? I'm not going to work today. I'm not going to work by my minimum amount. What I'm going to do instead? I mean, it's my stock. I'm going to have the people support me. I raise the if somebody decides they're not going to work, they said they're going to learn, and have the people support them, that's a terrible thing. Which is exactly the Lashem of the Ramah. The Torah is bringing him down word for word. But he did something a little bit different than the Ramah. But as I said, the Ramah was clear that in retrospect, when I look back at it, it's clear to me that the Ram always meant it. The tour makes it super clear. He puts in this whole introduction that the Ram didn't do, which is how much are you supposed to actually have in your bank account? The barest of barest. There's no Indian to amass any wealth. The Ram says it's no, it, don't say you're going to amass wealth and then you're going to. Of course, the Ram says it. The Ram says you should work three hours a day. It doesn't have that kind of very clear bringing down the end of August. Which says that you should live on bread and salt and what, like have nothing, live a chayet tsar, and just learn Torah. The Ram doesn't say it that clearly. The Torah is bringing that part down and mushing it all together to give you the what's the ideal? Ideal is of course support yourself, the barest of minimums. That's what you do to work, and the rest of it you learn. And if you come up with the idea, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm instead going to be supported. So continues the tour. It's a big mile for somebody to be sustained by his own work of his own hands. This was the way the olden days, that's the way the Hasidim did it in their days. That's what it means when it says you should have uh, sustenance from your own hands. As, as I'll say, he says, you should know that success in Torah does not come from having a nice life, from relaxing, from having a good time. You're not going to find Torah there. You might find wit, you might find expertise and aspects of Torah, but truly suffused with Torah, you're not going to find Torah This is why I told you the story of my wife's father-in-law, right? You're not going to find Torah in that in a, in in America, the way you had it in Europe, we had true suffering for terror. That was the point that he was trying to make. Do you think you're going to learn terror and, and you sleep, you know, what is it, six hours a night? What's the normal? Seven hours a night? Eight hours? I don't know what the current med medically recommended time is. That's not how you learn terror. Learning terror is sitting on the Gemara and wiping your eyes and falling asleep and wiping your eyes again. And putting your feet in, in, in you know, the, the ice bu buckets, right? You know how, like, you, you heard of um, the Sofnas um, Paneach. Um, uh, it was a rabbi who lived 100 years ago. Um, big Elisha, very Elisha mind, like, unbelievable genius. He never took a haircut. He didn't want to be Matatera. 
So he had two, it was two benefits. He didn't take a haircut because he didn't want to about the Torah. But you look at the picture of him, he had very long hair. He also take his hair and tie it to a nail. At night. So when he learned and he would fall asleep, it the the it would get caught. He would put back away. And we're talking about we're talking about people who learned in the introduction to the um in the introduction to the um the Shabbat I think it's in the introduction to Shabbat So it's right, it's that that um, he is writing his Kedushim in bed with like blankets on. He doesn't have heat. There's no fire. There's no heat like you know electric. There's no heat. There's no firewood. So he's freezing, and while he's writing it, you know. The uh, the tour himself, I have it a copy, I think, this page. Yeah. So in Hilfa Shabbos, in Hilfa Shabbos, the tour writes this. The question is the Gemara tells us, the Gemara tells us in Psachim, I say Shabbat Chachel, where Rabbi says, make your Shabbos like the weekday, about to start with Brias. Don't ask people for help. So if somebody doesn't have enough money for Shabbos food, Make your Shabbos into like a weekday. Don't have a night nice Shabbos. Don't ask people for any help. I think more there brings down my the Mishnah the Matema says, right? All about what, what does it mean? So Rashi explains in Abbas and the, the, the what do you call it? the Beis Yosef here in Hebrew Shabbos explain that the idea of bringing that Mishnah. After the Maitre Rekiva is that a person should do their best, do their utmost. So this is the rush talking after Rashi, after the seeing the Gemara. This is the rush talking about himself. There's many times, or a number of times, I asked my dad, who's his dad? The rush. A number of times as I asked the rush, Kamaini. In relation to me, meaning Yaakov Bahatur, the son of the Rosh. I have a little bit. It's not enough. It's not enough for me to eat Shal Shabbos. I don't have enough. I have to rely on others. Am I part of that? Am I able to be Mekayim Rabbi Akiv over here and make my Shabbos like the weekday and I won't have a Shal Shudas. I don't have enough to eat Shal Shudas. Remember, Shal Shudas doesn't have to be a meal, right? You could have a fruit, you could have... I don't have enough to eat even the barest of Madakam Shal Shudas. You want to know what the level of terror is? Right? You produce the Balatum and Fumish, the Arbaturim, right? For Halacha. That's what it means. I don't have enough to eat three meals on Shabbos. Am I able to make a keep over here? I say Shabbat I'm not going to ask anybody. I just won't have. Won't have. Lo heshivani dava baro says the rush didn't tell me. my dad. He didn't explain to me a clear answer on that. And the Bach over here says that the question that the the tour had was we passed in like near. He says um, says the Bach Sarchin. The sub-exception is 
According to Rambi, not allowed to take from people. The Torah, Haskins like the Rambam. So he's trying to get behind the very barest of minimum and learn. Because remember, the Torah puts in that that is the ideal life. The ideal life is you learn and you learn and you learn. And you support yourself just the barest of minimum. He says, I don't have enough for Shabbos. I don't have enough for my Shabbos. What should I do? Can I not have a Shabbos? That's the question he asked the Rosh, on which he did not receive a clear answer. That's the level that we're talking about. All right. So here's the basic exit. Okay, so we just we just learned the um, we just learned the tool. This is the basic Yosef on the tour there in Hilkas Tamatzah. Says the basic Yosef. Mashakasov, blah, 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 all the, the stuff that he said. He says this is a lot of the um the quoting from the Ramam. Then he says, Says the truth is, the Ramam has his shita, makes it really super clear about what he holds. That's true. But he says, and the Ram wrote this in the commentary, he wrote it in the Imperial Mission, he wrote it everywhere. But says the Basiasib, even though the Ram makes it out that that's what everybody did, and this is the or that this is the way it should be done by it was done by everybody in the years past in the times of Sanama Muram, and that's the ideal way it should be done, nevertheless. Says the uh Beis Yosef. The generations did not hold like the Rambam. And the riots that the Rambam brought, you can throw away. And you can bring riots the other way, that you could take, and that you should give. And this is the right approach. The Torah would have been forgotten. There's no way that Torah can be sustained if the people are not studying Torah. If a person's working nine to five and not becoming a major Tamakach. Period. It can be Tamakacham. Absolutely. But a major Tamakacham, a God of Torah, how can you be? You're losing eight hours a day. Eight hours of the day, the prime time when you're awake. You're not learning. So where do you expect to become a massive Tamakacham from? Can you be Tamakakam, relatively speaking, to people who are ignorant? Sure, absolutely. Can you know a lot of shots? Absolutely. But can you be a buck in the Chal Khadri Torah if you're missing eight hours a day of learning? No. That's by definition. Sure, if somebody has a photographic memory, if somebody has the kind of ability that, you know, is super, super human, only like rare people have it. That's an exception. But a normal person who just enjoys learning has a good brain, but not that kind of a memory or 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 you can't expect it. That would be simply unnatural. And if you would demand that, that, oh, only the people who have photographic memories are allowed to learn. That's obscene. So if you have to create generations of people who are Torah scholars, says the Bishyash, the Torah will be forgotten if there's not going to be support. The people are working all the time. And the only people who are going to be able to become successful in learning are the people who literally can squirrel away a minute here and a minute there to learn. 
First of all, they're going to be much more ignorant. And second of all, it's going to be rare to find such people that have such a drive, such a desire after a full day of working that they're still going to squirrel away their time to become big adult and very hard. That's what we're getting. Well, that's what we're getting. Yeah. What, what it's going to justify is certainly creating a system where you can produce rabbis and dayanim and rabbeim and and paiskim and you know you need to have <laughs> uh, essentially like a, a bureaucracy of, of different kinds of rabbis with different skill sets etc. Have a big community. You have to have a lot of different people with with skills. You can't simply say, well, you have one person who's going to be the paisaka, the galah, the shiva, the the lamb, and the darshan. Doesn't work. And a lot of people like different things, and you certainly can't put it on one person. So you have to have you have to think about it as you have to have a panoply. You have to have a smorgasbord of options. So the only way you can do that is by being able to create a system where Terror can flourish. And how is that going to be done? It's only going to be done by Ideha. It's only going to be done by handouts. It's only going to be done with sustaining people. Already the Tash base, also known as the Rash base, the father of the Rash Bash, already made it very clear that all the rice of the Ram can be thrown away. In fact, you can bring rice the other way around. And 100% of the rabbis can take sustenance from the congregations. He brings so many different rice from the Gemaras, from the Madrash, from the Kalmokim, Misha Efshalar, the Spinus, and Masiyada. And this is how they say Nevertheless, Somebody who's Efsher or Yachin, who's able to be somebody who's able to nevertheless on an individual level, not as a communal level. This is not on a community level. And the community has to support people who show interest in learning, inclination to learn. They have to ensure that they have a supply of rabbis and dayanim and rishishivas and darshanim and all the things that they need on a communal level. But what about an individual level? Person, person looks at himself and he's Mishaya Ba'atzmai and says, I can support myself and I can learn Torah. So, of course, that's a Midas Chasidus. Such a person can do that on their own. 100% of Midas Chasidus. And that is a present from Hashem. But it's not the meat of every single person. For most people, it's not possible. To be Isaac and Tyra, and nevertheless, still be sustaining themselves from their own work. But on the individual level, if there's a person that is able to work and to learn and become serious, I'm talking, it's a wonderful thing. But with the cautionary tale of the tour, what did the tour write? What's the ideal level of a life? The ideal level of a life is not to become wealthy. You're not going to find Torah mitach idon. So we're talking about somebody who could be able to sustain himself, whatever his family needs are, and use all the spare time, all the rest of the day to learn. Such a person says, the way he says, that's the minister's business. And that's what the Tash said, if you recall. 
right? The Tashbait said that what? What does the Rambam really old as Rias are what? Those are really Midichasidases. That's not normative law. Normative law is not like the Rambam. Normative law says the Tashbait is different. You can take, and the community must give. But it's a Midas Chasidus. The Rambam's approach is a Midas Chasidus. The Rambam said his approach is normative. Says the Tashbait is not. It's Midas Chasidus. But again, with the cautionary tale, yeah, maybe you could be a big Tamachacha and be very wealthy. But is that what Hashem wants? Right? That person has to ask him, what does Hashem really want? To be wealthy or to become even a bigger Tamachacha? The Bach here writes that that um, he doesn't have this chuva of the Tash Bates. Right? This is a very cool, to me, it's a very cool historical little anecdote. The Bach says, I don't have this chuva of the Tash Bates. The Yosef says that the Tash Bates knocks out all the riots of the Rambam. But I don't have a Tash Bates. He says, I'm not sure what he's talking about because I don't have it. But this is what I think. And then he starts to bring down Gemara. And you wouldn't believe these are the same Gemara. Right, it's very cute. Right, he doesn't have access to the books, but when he's going through shafts in his own mind, he's coming up with similar ideas. So he brings down, for example, he brings down, if, and and just to run through quickly, so you see, you, this is a good chazar for us. We did all of these gemaras before, before the tashbits. We did them initially in our opening um, uh, approach to this. Right, he says he brings down that um, he says like this. Um, because the Gemara tells us at the end of Saita, right, that he wanted Rabbi to be appointed. We just mentioned that a minute ago. And he says, because over there, Rashi points out that when they're going to make him the rabbi, Pirish Rashi, that when they appoint him to be the rabbi, he's going to be able to pay off all his loans because he's going to have a nice salary. And then he points out the Gemara about the beginning of Tainus, about Ilfa and Rabbi Yechana. Remember that Gemara? Right, Rashi over there said, we said it's pseudo Rashi, right, Martias, but whatever. Some Rishan who was in the school of Rashi writes there in Tainus that what? That when Rabbi Yechon became the Rashiva, even though he was so poor, now he was what? Going to be wealthy because they're going to all, the, the community is going to support him. They're going to make him, right? They're going to they're gonna give him to, to what, you know, uh, Beksar. Because remember, when he was going out to, to, to work, Elf and Rabbi because they were both impoverished, they were both incredibly poor. Right, so so if went to work because he didn't have the Basco or Bechon went back, but he had, became wealthy because he got the he got the job. And then he brings out the Gemara and Harriet's part. Right, the, the these were two people who could like figure out the molecules in the sea of the water, right? And and Rabbi Gamliel um had to give them a job. And he says, You think I'm giving you Sror, I'm giving you Abdus. Probably when they got the job, they're going to have money. They're going to be able to support themselves. So these are the kinds of rights he's bringing that you're allowed to take. These are all rights that we've already seen. But he's bringing them because he thought nobody has access to the Tash Bates. Of course, we have beautiful printing of the Tash Bates today. But that, uh, just a cute historical anecdote that he came up with the same ideas that the Tash Bates had as well. All right. Um, should point out again that the that the tour makes it clear in in Hilchatayanim in the Cheshemish, but what the Rambam also said the Rambam didn't view it as a contradiction there, right? That a dying is able to take a star by Atala, right? The same way that a Rebbe is able to take the star Shimur, right? For watching little kids, right? Or the star by Atala, right? Star by Atala, that 
If I have a job and you're asking me to do something, you want me to judge your case? Well, you have to pay me for my time. What the Ram Muslim was getting paid for learning. He was not getting paid for, for, for not doing something within the time. You want me to stop my job and do something for you? No problem. Pay me. That's 100% legitimate. That's like Scar Shabbos. Not a problem. You're paying for what I did with the work before. You're paying me so I'm not doing my work now. And we find many examples in, in, in Shas about people who got jobs for different, who had who, who taught different things, who uh, taught the people, who judged the people, things that you think that relate to Torah. Yes, and they got paid for it. And then they get paid for that learning and stuff. They got paid because of the fact that they had a job. They had other things that they could do and they didn't do it. So the Torah has no issue with that whatsoever. Of course, anybody who's, who is having Sabbatala, it's not an issue. All right. So, um, the Rivet, this is the Rivet from uh, the, the Rivet number one. Now, you know, there were three Rivets. Uh, the Chizor writes and the Shemri Zone, three Rivets. There's Rivet number one. He wrote the Sefer Kabbalah, which is basically a way of trying to show the, the Sarah of the Jewish people, the Teresh Balpeh has a deep roots. Um, you have Rivet number two, who wrote the Sefer Eshkol. And you have Rivet number three, who's our famous Rivet. Who, as many have pointed out, it's unfortunate we think it's not the Bala Saga. Right? He's the rabbi who wrote the, the Serbic one liners on the Ramna, the Mission Saga. That rabbi, number three, is the son of rabbi number two. It gets confusing. He was the son of rabbi number two. Rabbi number two was a lady. Um, and rabbi number three was a much, much broader figure than. Then writing that Sagas Sagas he wrote little at the end of his life when he got a copy of the Ramam. And it was sort of like, you know, this is how he read it. And marginalia. You know what marginalia means? Like he wrote a book. It was thought that he wrote. Just, and you can see the the brilliance of a mind, the ability to be comfortable throughout the Torah, just wrote, putting in the one liners. But those were not his major works. That is what he's known for, ultimately, because people don't study his major works, but the major works he wrote, he wrote on the Rift, he wrote on various Mishnahites that no one ever studied in Iris, he wrote on things that no one had ever done uh, before him. And we don't appreciate him in the same way today, because today we have you know, access to many other Rishonim who brought down his approach. We don't actually have to study him direct, um, it wasn't necessarily the easiest or clearest of writers, which is fair as well. But many times you'll find them being quoted. Right? The Shijim of the Bet says, you'll find the other Rishonim in the Iwi, etc., being quoted. But the, the, um, the, uh, the, so the, this, what I'm going to tell you now is from the Rabbi number one, Sefer HaKabal. Um, so this is being written. Um, you know, and around the time of Rashi, thereabout. Okay, but it's being written in Spain. But this is where he, that's where he lived, the first rabbi. Second and third rabbi, they lived in Tavan, right, which is southern part of France. There was some guy named Shmuel Halevi. He was appointed the Nagid. In, uh, in this year, there, right? So we're not, we're not in Hayalah. We're, we're in Hayalah. We're not. We're a thousand years. 
right? Literally almost a thousand years ago, right? Dalad off in Tufshin Pei Zimer, Tufshin Pei Dalad, right? We're literally a few years off, right? Literally a thousand years ago. This Rabbi Samuel Halevi was appointed to be the new Jew. The Asatavis, the Yisrobet Sbarad, who did a lot of good things for the Jewish people in the lands of Spain. I don't know what the Western lands is. Spain is really the low Western land, maybe Portugal, I'm not sure. But Africa, So basically, this is Shmuel Alevi, who was appointed the Nagin. Anyone heard of him? His name was Shmuel Nagin. Right? He lived in the 900, 1000. He was the general in the Muslim armies of Spain, right? Which is was big, a big, uh, a big chutzpah, a big busha to, uh, I think, uh, Ibn Kfir was like a big Muslim theologian. I think that was his name. He was very upset. He wrote to, like, you know, the head of the, the government, like, how could you have a Jew being the head of the army? Literally. Um, but this Shmuel Anagin, so he was, he was a big Kamakakam. He was a poet. He was a general. He was a financier. He was like, you know, one of these incredible Renaissance Jews. Says the rivet about him that you should know that um, that uh, that he helped the Jews throughout the world. All the B'nai Torah in all the lands. He supported anybody wanted to learn Tyra in all of these lands all around the world. Whoever wanted to make Tarasa, he supported them. And he gave them Tvarim. Remember, this is 500 years before the printing press, 400 years before the printing press. So everything had to be handwritten. We would give handwritten copies of the Talmud, of the Mishnah, of, of all the various works. So the Talmudim, they never can afford to buy it on their own. Whether in the land of Spain itself or the other land, Africa, above all around the world, he supported Torah financially. He gave books to the students. He also gave oil so they could have candles in the shuls in, in New Shalayim. It was like a big thing back in the day. Today, I don't know if that's a big thing, but then it was a big deal. The Herbert's Terra Harvey, and he supported Terra all over the place. He died in, as an old man, this week's Pasuk Parsh, right? Avon was also died in the Seva Zokin, the Savea. This week's parish also Yitzchak. And he was Zecha to Dal Ketzarim, Zecha to Keter Terah, Keter Gedula, Keter Levia, and Keter Shemtev. He died, which not Dal, a lot of tough, tough test above. Okay. This is Shmuel Anagin. Why am I bringing this down? This is talking about Spain. Talking about, about you know, 150, 200 years before the Ramah. What do you think happened in Spain and in North Africa and in Bobo and throughout the world? You think there was a guy who was incredibly well, his name was Shmuel and he supported Tyra. 
He gave money to anybody who wanted to make the Rasa Yom Nasa. And he gave them Svarim. Seems pretty clear. As a Raya, as a Tashbeh said, that people got supported. And it's not so, not such a um, shocking thing. This is what was happening. It happened for a long time. There's a Rebbein Bechaya pointed out to me that what I've said over the shop, I've said over, said over what I consider a very nice part about the fact that there are three places in the Torah that contested, not going against all of these, but are contested by the non-Jews. They say that we are Muslimatam, we stole it. But these three years, the holiest sites in, in Judaism, we literally purchased it. And the Torah goes out of its way to talk about the purchases. One of which is, Kavran, that's an obvious one. One of which is, No? Shem, right? Hargrizim. The Jewish people did the reenactment of accepting the Torah when they got into Israel. And the third is Yerushalayim, Har Maria. You were there, you're cheating. Right? Har Maria, where in the end of Shemuel discusses the purchase. If you look at, compare the end of Shemuel to Hargrizim, sorry, you'll see all the parallels. I'm not getting into any of that now. Anyhow, so somebody pointed out to me afterwards, and I, I gave my reason for it. I think the Torah's arichas on this is not like the Rakhayim, that he has to be on Thursday night. I'm not going to get into that now. The arichas of it is to stop the people who say today that we took the land by conquest, which is illegal under international law, the three holiest sites in Yad, we actually purchased them. We didn't take it by conquest. We bought it. And I was pointing out that between 1880 and 1920, the amount of land that the Jews had purchased from the people living at that time in the Ottoman Empire was a massive amount of land. They bought tracts of land throughout the Galilee and all over the, the Eretz Israel in order to start up farms. That was not conquest, that was purchase. All right. So, it's going to put that there. Rabbi Machaya says it. That was Rabbi Machaya. And he does say, he points out that these three things are, in fact, Purchases not done by conquest, but it says We have to think about why the Torah does it. He doesn't give you a reason. He says we have to think about it. I gave a reason. I said my reason is to tell the world that the world accuses us of being listen them that we say on these three holiest sites we actually purchase. We're not here, uh, even though under international law, even the wars of conquest today are not allowed. Defensive words are allowed. Well, under international law, what you're really supposed to do is after you win your defensive war, you're supposed to go back to your initial border, which is seeming because if you went back to your initial border, you're inviting them to come back again. Obviously, it doesn't work. But the international law does not like the idea of war. Fine. Anyhow, the reason I just thought about mentioning Rabbeinu Bachai is because my next note here is to tell over Rabbeinu Bachai. Rabbeinu Bachai is in charge of the Shah. We made that distinction. Rama himself, of course, took from his own brother because that was their partnership. That was their gear. Their own had no issue with that. So here, the, the Rabbeinu Bechaya that I wanted to discuss is quoting 
Pasuk, Laman Anasenu Hayelech Beserot Yilmoyim. Parsha B'Shalach, when the Jews got the man, they got the man, Laman Anasenu, to test you to see if you're going to go with my Torah. What's the Parsha B'Shalach understanding of the Pasuk? What's the test? What's the test? <coughs> so if you look over there in Parsha B'Shalach, the test was that Hashem said that on the Friday, you're going to get Lechem Yilmoyim, right? You're going to get two double portions of Korea of Lechem Mishnah. You're not going to go out tomorrow. It's not going to happen. Are they going to go out tomorrow? Are they not going to go out tomorrow? Are they going to uh, keep to the laws of Shabbos that you have there by tomorrow? These were before my entire, there were various laws of Shabbos. Now we're given. So maybe that's what the man and the See if they're going to hold by the laws of the Torah. That's one possibility of Pashtun Shabbos. So there seems to be more to it. Why is that? Look, the Pashtun Shabbos, where the Torah repeats, the Mashiach is repeating this. Story about the month. What does it say? What was the reason that Hashem gave them the month? To teach them a lesson. What's the lesson? That you don't live on bread alone. What do you live on? What Hashem gives you. What Hashem gives is what you love, and that's the test of the month. The Gemara Yuma points out that the test of the month, I think it but somebody in Yuma, Tana in Yuma said that that's the reason. You want to know what the test was? The test was that they got the month every single day. It didn't have to have, Hashem didn't have to do it that way. Could have made month once a month. And you put the money in your bank account. Why does it every day have to go bad? If you're already making the miracle, you're making money. You make it in a way that happens once a month, once a week. Why does it have to be every day? That's the mana nasana. Mana nasana was a test that you're going to bed, you don't know if you're going to have money tomorrow. And you still go to bed. Because you know that everything you survive on comes from Hashem. The test was to figure out to the people, to make them understand that you're only going to be surviving because of what Hashem gives you. You're entirely wholly dependent on the control. Says the Rabbeinu B'chaya, what does it mean? teaching you. Anybody who has a tremendous amount of the Zionists, they already are a wealthy person. They have to learn. You're already wealthy, why are you working? That's what the Torah is teaching you. So the Torah gives presence to the Adam and Levine. They are not able to get a Parnassar because they don't get a position, portion in the land of Israel. Instead, they rely on that. Effectively, the hand that's the Jewish people, the Jewish people sustain them. And connected the Matanas of the Kahuna and the Levia, all the presents you have to give to the Kaham and Levium, you have to give presents to the Kaham and the Askim the Terah, who give, who give of themselves to study Terah. Says the Rabbin Machaya that the Mananasana Yetwa Terah, you know what that means? That means that the whole point of the Man was to see how. Dedicated you are to our God's how dedicated you are to the Torah. And we test that out by making you go out every single day. 
So if you don't have to go to everything, you already have a big bank account. So there's only one thing that you should be doing with your time, and that is studying Torah. And he adds in this other knage, which is the same way that Torah says that you should support the Kahanim and the Levim, you should obviously also support the Talmud Kahanim. All right, so now we come to the bringing it down to practical halal. Or well, maybe one more, not so practical. So everyone heard of the Catholic mission, right? The Catholic mission is, is Yosef, right? It's the Mechava, right? Yosef Kara. Why did he write the Catholic mission? Why did he write the Catholic mission? Because he wanted to protect. He wanted to protect the, the Ramam against the attacks of the rival. Right? The rival was the anger at the Ramam. And his marginalia, right? And his Hatzagas, he pointed out by right, many times that he thinks Kai Roshi, right? Ram is not right. But in the beginning, in the beginning of the introduction, the missionary writes about it that he didn't give us citations. He doesn't tell us who he got it sources from. In the middle of Hilkos Kalayim, the middle of Hilkos Kalayim, the, the entire above, the, the Raven writes over there that what he acknowledges, right? It took him all the time to acknowledge. He gets <laughs> in Kalayim. Why there he acknowledges I'm not sure, but there in Kalayim he acknowledges. And we just talked about the Ramah number three, right? So now a big work of his was like writing on these Mishnahs and no people wrote on. He wrote, he wrote on these on on you know on Zroyim, on Tyrus, people there that people didn't know. And they had nothing to work from. The Ramah most of it, they had nothing to work from. Right? There's no Gemara, right? That they were easily accessible for them to be able to you know, to work on. Um, okay, it's very maybe Shalmi, but um, but it was it was like virgin territory. It was stuff that no one really had ever done before. Before the Rambam, before the Rive, like they were um, two of the very original minds. So anyhow, there in the Netflix Goliath, the Tariq Bob there at the beginning, the Rive writes that I acknowledge that this wasn't a full amount of work what the Rambam did. And gathering together all of them, all culture, what I acknowledge. But he says he doesn't tell us who says what or who says we are worth it, you know. I'm not giving you the sources, so you don't know. Yeah, 100% to the Mr. Comes and the Rift of Kairai comes along. He's going to protect the Rambam from the attack of the Rambam. He's going to give you a lot of the sources. Right? He's going to give you the sources for the Rambam. It's a massive work. Right? It's an amazing, amazing work. How one human being, how the Mechav was able to write the Mashafanah, the Beis Yosef, and the Ketzit Mishnah. And that's, he's got other works. The Magimah Shem, he has other work too. It, it's just my mind. It's just beyond understanding how you're being capable of doing all this in a lifetime. No electricity, no toilet paper. That's what I always come back to. No electricity and no toilet paper. Here, Ketzav Mishnah takes a very different approach. Because here on the Ramam, he goes to town against him. Even though he's here to defend him, here he is going against him 100%. So every Raya the Ramam wants to bring, he is fighting against him. That's the Ketzav Mishnah. Ketzav Mishnah here in Hilkos Tamatara and Paragimel. 
Because the Rambam brings all of these riots down to prove his point that really a Tamatakam shouldn't be taken from others. He says, I don't agree. And he says, he brings a riot from Hillel. Like Hillel, Hillel's not a riot. So when did Hillel go be a witch out? When he was in the yeshiva of Shmaya that means he was not yet Hillel, the famous Hillel. So he was an up-and-coming whippersnapper. He was not yet a massive Tamatakam. That's why he had to work. Once he became known as a big commodity, once he became known as the hot stuff, you think he worked? No way. Didn't work. And he goes through this, Kahina Vakahina, every ride from the Rama is the Maya So like the Tashbait did it, he does it too. The Bach should have looked at the Kesef Mishnah. Right? Then he would have seen a lot of things, but he didn't see it. He says, the, the Rama brings a ride from Khanina Ben Daisa. Khanina Ben Daisa, you see, he lived on a Kav Karuban. Remember the Martin? He lives on nothing. He lives on like a little bit of boxer. He says, that's not a Raya. He never had to work. Remember the story of the Martinus with the golden legs at the table, right? When when his wife was complaining bitterly that they didn't have enough to eat. So they got a golden leg on the table. He could have sold and made millions. He didn't have to work. There's no riot from, from him. He says, we have so many riots to contrary. He says, the more it tells us about Karna, that he had a business. He was boydik for interest yayin. He would be able to look at the wine and say if it was good wine or not a good wine. It's just, it's not a bad job. You ever heard of a wine taste? You know what this job of wine taste there? If somebody allowed to be a firm wine taste, right? If a lot of you a firm wine taste, it's not kosher wine. Right? I don't mean not kosher and not kosher. Sense. I mean, not kosher in the sense that it's not Jewish wine, not that it's uh, mixed with. Grape stuff. You're allowed to be a wine taster. I was for sure not, right? But you know, wine tasters don't actually drink the wine. They, they spit it out. They're just supposed to swirl around. Somehow they, they can detect all the uh, luminosity and the blackberries and the strawberries and all the things. I don't know how it works. It was two medicines. I'm, I'm a little confused about it, but, but some say that, yeah, that since they're not actually drinking, maybe they could do it as a job. But anyway, he says, that Karna, he didn't have to even, I don't know if he had to drink it, he was basic, basic, and somebody would check the barrel, and he would know if it's good or not. He said, that's a good job. That's not really working hard. That was an easy, an easy job. He says, Ain Suffolk Shemisha, Karna Hashem is Barkshi, is Karnas, and the Maksa, also Lady Barks. I agree. If somebody can survive in a very easy job, and doesn't have to put in a lot of effort or time, it's awesome to take. Let him do a very easy job. And do, uh, if somebody's a, I don't know what it's called, a programmer, right? A computer, not a computer program, an app programmer. You can make an app. He's like, you know, does very quickly making an app. I'm not sure how it works, but if you can do a really fast job and make an app and sell it for like a million dollars, why can't take? Let him learn all day and make an app every once in a while. He needs to make a uh, friend of You know, this is the, I hold that I agree in that sense. Somebody can do it. And then he continues, and he says that. Um, um, he says that uh, the rabbi brought a raya that there was, uh, there was some people, Rabbi Yosef, who was Asik Rechai, he was a miller, Rabbi Shesus Bakshuri, he was a beam carrier. And he said, The Gemara says over there, how great is the work because it makes the people hot, right? It, 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 it makes the people get energy. So, so Rashi says, 
over there because they did it, these really heavy jobs because they needed to work out their bodies. They needed to work out. It, wasn't be, it was for health reasons. It wasn't to make the parnas. They thought uh, like sweat yoga. They thought that they get sweaty. The they get sweaty was a good thing. That's why they did it. It wasn't for, for parnasas. Okay. Then he brings down the Gemara and Basra. The Ramah thought it was a Raya. That Rebbe didn't want to give anybody food unless they were Tamafam. And somebody came in, his name was Yasin Ben Amram, and he said that he should feed me like a right? Feed me like, 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 a, like a bird. Like, give me, give me food. I'm, I don't, I'm an ignorant. Rebbe gave him, and he was upset, Rebbe. He may be fed an Amaran. And they said, maybe it's really your student, Yasin Ben Amram, who refuses to have honor from Kesar Shatur. He doesn't want to have any substance from the Kesar Shatur. And it turned out that it was, in fact, him. The Raman brought down as a Raya that you see from Yenis and Amram, right? You're not supposed to take anything from Tyra. But says the Beis says the Kesav Mishnah, hey, what are you talking about? You're missing on the Gemara. Read it the reverse way. Read it the reverse way. Rebbe said that you can't have anybody come in unless they're a Tamachacham. If they're a Tamachacham, I'm going to support them. So what does that mean, says the, says the Kesav Mishnah? If it was really usher to take, how could Rabbi Mashal all the time to come that he's going to give them? Of course, if somebody again has enough sufficiently, it shouldn't be taken. But what's the point of Ketzal Mishnah? The Rambam's Rai is the reverse. The Rambam's bringing a Rai from Yerushalayim and Abri not taking anything on the Torah. Bring the Rai from Rabbi. Bring the riot from Rebbe. The Rebbe was only going to support those in Tyra. Again, the Rama can answer that. What would the Rama answer? The Rama would answer that this is not a normal decision. This is not sustaining. This is a situation of what? A pikuach nefesh. It's a situation of people don't have what to eat. It's a rub. So who comes first? It's Kadimis. So you Tamakak means supporting first. That's where everybody's supporting Tamakak. That's why he has a limited amount that can go around. It's a difficult time. That's why he's doing it. It's not a riot here in a normative sense. The only riot is that the person like Yannis Benam was doesn't want to take from Tyra. You can't be right from Rebbe. That would be the Ramam's response. And it's a massive arrival in the Kesha. Going through so many of these riots, we're not going to be able to do all his upslugs. But after he's finished all of this, he says like this, after, after Hashem had told us all this, which uh, was what Pare said to Yosef, right after he was pissed of all the dreams. So after Hashem showed you all of this, so he says like this, A person shouldn't stop working. A person shouldn't uh, uh, throw off his job. In order to take money from people, so that he should learn. But he should learn some sort of a job, a minimum job that he could make something on it. It's the If he's not able to be sustained on it, so then he should take whatever the people sustain him with, the and no problem whatsoever. So the Kesem Mission says, Person should Tamakakum should try to get some sort of a job, minimum amount. And if you can survive on that, great. If not, 
the community should support him. But then he continues. Then he says, Even if you want to, this is not the approach of the Rambam. Nevertheless, Even if you want to say that the Rambam wouldn't agree, since it's not 100% clear, you go after the custom. And the entirety of the rabbis in the generations preceding Maimonides and in the generations subsequent and in his own generation, they all took sustenance from their congregations, from their communities, and there's no doubt about it. Even if we want to say that the law is like but the Rambam, nevertheless, maybe, says the Beis Yosef, here in the Catholic Mishnah, that we have an and this is a different approach than the Tashbet. Right? The Tashbet said that at the end of the day, the Rambam is only minichasidus. It's only minichasidus. It's not halacha. Says the Beis Yosef, maybe the Rambam is correct normatively, halachically, but Terror would be forgotten. So if terror is going to be forgotten, then you go against the terror. For example, that's where we take terror about We write it down. Right? There's certain things that we turn around. Even though the normative halacha is different, because it's such a difficult circumstance for the Jewish people, we change it. So maybe that's what happened over here. Maybe the Ramah was really right. But our generation calls for a different approach, and that's what we have to do it regardless. Um, if they didn't have sustenance, they could not learn Torah in a normative way. We'll get to Mishnah uh, and all this next week. But the approach of the Ketzev Mishnah, the approach of the Beit Yosef, a little bit different than the Tashbet. The Tashbet had put the Rambam as a minute and said the normative was just to say. The Beit Yosef, even after knocking out all the riots of the Rambam, and you know, pretty strongly in some cases, nevertheless, is still willing to say maybe the Allah really is like the Rambam, but we don't go with him anymore because of his last Hashem. Something happened, something changed. It's not possible. The Rambam was a Yachim Bedar of such a mind that he could do it. So fine for Yechidei School that has such a mind, fine. But the normative Allah cannot go like that. Why? Because of his last Hashem and. What we introduced today is remember to point out that there is different obligations on a community than on a, the individual. The individual has his own obligations, the community has their obligations, and the two don't necessarily have to be the same. The community may have an obligation to support somebody, and that person may decide that his obligation is not to take support. Each one has to evaluate their own obligation. But there's levels of hasidus, there's levels of learning, there's levels of working, and all of this, like everything else, is. Um, not a big challenge. Every person has to be honest and know themselves and where they are. But like the Torah said, we're going to come. Lost in love, we're going to be asked. No, kavata isimutera. Did you learn? So we do have one more week on this, and then we'll move on. In terms of the uh, 